This morning, we will be, uh, continue our study uh, concerning a better me and you in 22. And we've looked at anger. We've looked at bitterness. We've looked at discouragement. We've looked at disappointment. Today, I want us to look at the thought of rising or being better or aware of pride. You know, in our lives, there are, is a sense of good pride and then there's a sense of bad pride. And sometimes we, as people and human beings... We sometimes struggle with finding that balance between having a good type of pride versus a pride that's negative uh, in our lives. And this morning, our text was read out of 2 Chronicles 26 and 1 through 5, and um, that's will be the base of our study this morning. We read here of Uzziah, who became a king... At 16 years old. And as we read in our scripture this morning, the Lord blessed him. He blessed him with much success and prosperity. In 2 Chronicles 26 and the rest of those passages, verse 6 through 15, we see some of those successes that he had. You see that he warred against a common enemy of God's people, the Philistines. And I hope you have your Bibles, and I encourage you to read and, and look along as we read together. But he went forth and warred against the Philistines. And in verse 7, we see that God helped him. He helped him against the Philistines and the Arabians and, and others as well. The Ammonites actually gave him gifts in verse 8 to Uzziah because his name and the fame with his name spread even uh, into Egypt for the strength that he had. And Uzziah, again, had many successes. He built towers and towers in verse 9 and 10 and more towers. And moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men. He had some of the greatest fighting men that there was. In 2000, he says there in verse 12, and then under his hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,000 and 500 that made war with mighty power. You can go on in verse 14, and you see Uzziah prepared them. He had some of the best engineers that made the, the, the fighting instruments that they had and and that he had machines that were built that could cast stones and arrows at, at uh, many at a time. And you see there in verse 15. But what we are seeing this morning in 16 and beyond, we are seeing a great 
success through verses 15. But we're seeing a success story that ends in tragedy. Verse 16, when he was strong in his heart, when he was prideful, his heart was lifted up, his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of God or the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. He was doing something that he shouldn't do. It was the priest's job. But he had become so prideful and full of himself that he transgressed against God. In the rest of that reading, you see that the priest confronted him that you can't do this. You don't need to do this. That's for us to do. And he went ahead and he done it anyway. And in verse 19, notice, then Uzziah was wrath with those men. He was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy, he was struck with leprosy on his forehead. And as he went on and you read the rest of that chapter, he was a leper. They hurried him out. And he had to live in isolation for the rest of his life. Because of one event in his life to where he knew more than everybody else. He knew exactly what he needed to do. He was too full of himself. I don't need any instruction from any older people. I don't need any wisdom shared. I don't need you to tell me what I need to do. cost him the rest of his life living in isolation as a leper. How many times do we know of people and maybe even our own lives that we're still suffering from an event maybe close to that? Maybe we, have, we haven't been struck with leprosy but maybe there's something else in our life that because of our pride and failing to, to understand where all of our successes come from and not acknowledging God in those successes has cost us. Or maybe the cost hasn't come yet. I'm reminded of David and his event with Bathsheba. In a moment of folly, in a moment of making a bad decision, of taking another man's wife into the bedroom and committing adultery, it cost him a son. 
Maybe it hasn't come yet. Maybe our price to pay hasn't came yet. But we have to guard against this terrible sin of pride. As the scripture said, the Lord blessed him. You know what? The Lord has blessed us with much success, hasn't he? Health, clothes, our cars, our jobs. We have, even though in the times that we are in, we have much money. We'll put it that way. Again, money is the root of all evil, but not money itself. It's how we use that money and and how it affects us. But God's been good to us. God's been good to us. And sometimes in our successes, we get puffed up. We say, oh, look at me. Look at what I have accomplished in my life. Look at all of this money that I have. Or look at my fine home and my, and my clothes and, and all the fine things and places I get to go and do. And, and we forget where those things come from. And God has a way of humbling us. He has a way. But as we see, this success story ends in tragedy. This morning, real quickly, what are some pride indicators in our life? What are some markers in our life that we may just have a problem with pride? Number one being is when we compare ourselves to others. In Luke 18, in verses 9 through 12, we read of a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee, if you remember, was puffed up uh, with himself and by comparing himself to a man that he felt that wasn't as spiritual and righteous as he was. He says, Lord, look at me. I pray this many times. I fast this many times. I do all of these things. Look how righteous I am. And the sinner, the old tax collector, wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. Had that humble spirit and recognized himself as an undeserving person, a sinner. None of us deserve what God has given us, materially and spiritually. God has given us something spiritually that we should desire and we should hunger for. But a lot of times our pride will get in the way of that. Sometimes our pride will make us look, well, I, I, I can quote so many scriptures in the Bible and, and I, I do all of this stuff in the church and, and, and I hold this position in the church as an elder or a deacon or a preacher or Bible school teacher or, or I give this, this much of money on Sunday and, and look at me. You see... 
when we compare ourselves to others as being self-righteous, that's a marker of being pride, prideful. It's easy to do. Sometimes we say, oh, look at me. I've been in a church all my life. I've been at this church for 25, 30, 40 years, or I've been in the church for one or the other, and I can do all these things, and I'm not like those people out in the world, or I'm not like so-and-so. You see, that's a marker of pride. We've got to be careful with that statement. At least I'm not like... The Pharisee had that problem, didn't he? second marker when we're overconfident being overconfident Christians can find themselves flirting with sin and failing to continue to grow as they need to grow as Christians overconfidence Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. The Bible says to us, but to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. You see... Being overconfident. A failure to continue to grow. Oh, I, I no longer need to study the Bible. I no longer need to work my Bible lesson up on Sunday morning. I know all that stuff in, in, in the book of Timothy and about the elders. I know all that stuff. Oh, I know what it needs to be to become a Christian. I, I don't need to, to hear those lessons anymore. I don't need Bible study at 9 in the morning or Wednesday night. I'm way above all of that. You see, when we become overconfident, that's a marker of the sin of pride. I don't need to follow along in the sermon. It's just a waste of time to turn to those passages and to read them as he may read them or, or whatever. I don't need that. You see, when we become to that point, we have come to a point that we think we are untouchable. I can be, a young person might say, I can be in my bedroom with, a, with my boyfriend or girlfriend and, and nothing will happen. And a parent might even be on the other end saying, well, I, my kids are so good, they'll never do anything like that. Are we that naive? Have we come to a point that we're that gullible? Do you forget how it was when you were a teenager as a parent? 
You parents who have younger ones, those days are coming. Those days are coming. And you set the standard from the very beginning and you don't let it happen. Or someone says, uh, I can go to that party where there's drinking and dancing. I can go there and, and not sin. It won't bother me a bit. I can go to that company gathering and, and not be participating in that. It, you might one time, two times, maybe even three or four times. But I can go to the lake and be around all of those things and it not bother me. You see, when we come to that point, we're overconfident. And we're on the edge of succumbing to the devil. Pride. I can, I can just, I can flirt with that sin or that sin, this, that, or I can, I can try this new drug or this new vape or this new whatever, and, and, and I can try all of that and, and, and be okay. If you ask any addict, they'll tell you that they started off with something very simple, sometimes just pain reliever. One thing leads to another. Overconfident. Oh, I can let my young people go out on dates, and yes, we do, let our children go on dates. And young person, you might can say, oh, I can, I can control that. You don't know what you can control. And we as parents have to be good monitors of that. But number three, when we're not willing to self-evaluate. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we read of a man by the name of Ahab. In 1 Kings 18, in verses 16 and 17, we read of a man who, who, who calls Elijah and he says, Oh, are you the troubler? Are you the one who's causing all these problems for these people? You see, King Ahab was not willing to examine himself and realize that he was the source of Israel's problems. <clears throat> How often do we as adults behave like Ahab in our marriages or our relationships at work or our relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ or in our own families? You see, he, wasn't, he, wanted, to blame, he wanted to blame Elijah. He wanted to say, you're the problem. 
How many times in our families and our young people and even a spouse, the one spouse or the other, will say, I'm not the problem, you're the problem. How many times have we sat down with uh, maybe a professional counselor or uh, a spiritual counselor uh, in the church as an elder or a preacher and we begin to blame the other party and we say, you're the problem. And we're not willing to self-examine and say that, oh, I just might be the problem. How many times as parents has our children had problems? And instead of not being prideful and saying, am I part of that problem as a parent? Am I, am I causing that? Because a lot of times we want to say our children are the problem. But sometimes we as parents are the problem. And that's a marker of pride when we cannot self-evaluate and say in my marriage that, oh, I just might be the problem. I might be the one causing the issues in this, pro in this process of marriage or in our dating relationship or in my working relationship or in my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, King Ahab couldn't do that. The next marker is when we reject correction. <coughs> King Uzziah, back in our scripture in chapter 26 of 2 Chronicles, in verses 17 through 19, he rejected the godly counsel of the priest. He rejected it. Have you ever got upset with someone when they tried to correct you? When you had made a mistake? I have. I'll be honest with you. That's something that I've struggled with as a person. And a lot of times it ties back to Years and years of whatever when you were young and, and, and those types of things. <clears throat> but you ever got upset with someone at work or someone in your family? Or someone at the church, the, the minister or an elder that would call you aside and say, Hey, I've, I've been seeing some things on Facebook that, that, that this is really not very Christian-like. I want to help you with it. I've been seeing that, that your faithfulness has fallen away and, and you're not as faithful to the church and the services and things and, and, and I, I want to help you with that. I, I've noticed what you've been wearing or, or some places you've been. Maybe your parents come to you, young people, and say, I've noticed these things and you get upset. You see, that's a marker of pride. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is one sin that we often overlook. And we just say, we have the mindset that I deserve all this. I deserve what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. That's me. I'm going to do what I want to do. 
Nobody can tell me what to do. That preacher is crazy when he says this and that. And that elder's crazy in thinking this or that. If it's biblical, we have a right to respond to it and obey it. But when we reject correction, maybe someone talks to you about your lack of spiritual growth. You need to grow a little more. You need to be more involved. You need to come out of your shell. You need to come, come out of this, and you need to do more for the Lord. And, and you're like, well, I, he has no business saying that to me. It's a marker of pride. The last indicator, when we're unwilling to repent, King Uzziah's story might have turned out way differently if he had just repented immediately. If he would have told those priests and said, I was wrong, would you please pray to God for me and help me overcome this weakness? But instead, he became arrogant and defiant. If he had repented and changed things around, he just might not have had to live his life in isolation. For the rest of his life, he had to live by himself. <clears throat> I want to close this lesson with just about three or four ideas of what do we do to be a better you concerning pride? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 says to us, Blessed is the poor in spirit. It tickles me sometimes when I see our, our, a lot of parents and, and stuff and says, Boy, Look at that kid, boy, that girl, daughter, or son. Boy, they've got a spirit. Boy, they're high-spirited, and they're proud of that. In one sense, we want that for our children, right? But in another sense, we have to govern it, don't we? We have to govern it so it doesn't get out of control. And they become prideful. You see... We, for us to be above pride, we have to have humility. And having humility involves remembering who we are. We are children of God who we're told is blessed is the poor in spirit. We are unrighteous servants who don't even deserve God's grace and forgiveness. You go back to Luke 18 and 13 and 14. We're no better than any other servant in the kingdom. And this, this tax collector uh, in that scripture, he, he understands how he, he's little in the eyes of God. He didn't even deserve the glory and the grace and the mercy that God has shown upon them. He didn't deserve it. So if we're going to take and overcome this sin, 
We've got to remember who we are, what our spirit is. Poor, humble, having humility. The next indicator, it involves being cautious. In the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, in verse 12, you know this, you know the scripture well. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed what? Lest he fall. We've got to be cautious. 1 Peter 5. In verses 6 through 9, Peter writes to to warn us, doesn't he? He tells us that that we're to be, be cautious and that we're to be on guard. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verses 6 through, through 9, he says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care or anxiety upon him, for he careth for you. Watch it. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, and whom resisteth in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You see, if we're going to overcome this marker and this thing of pride, we're going to be cautious. We're always going to be sober, alert, if you will, and striving to stand firm in the faith. And we're always going to seek to grow and improve for the Lord. That's what we're going to do to overcome. That's how we're going to beat this thing of pride. And thirdly, it involves being able and being willing to self-evaluate. Instead of being quick to blame others for the problems that are in your relationships, we need to internally make sure that we possess hearts like Jesus. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 5, that humble servant attitude, humbled himself. Peter says that God will exalt you. You don't have to exalt yourself. He'll exalt you in due time. Could we be the problem in our relationships? Could we be the problem in our children's problems? Do I possess those qualities of Jesus? Humility involves self-evaluating. Am I a prideful person in the wrong way? It involves being willing to accept correction. 
Acts 18 and verses 24 and 25, Apollos there, he accepted correction from Aquila Priscilla. They took him aside. And instead of closing their ears, Aquila and Priscilla, or instead of closing our ears to the counsel of others, we need to listen and be open to what people are saying. Aquila and Priscilla helped Apollos understand that John's baptism was not effective at that time anymore. They helped him come to a better understanding. There's a lot of things that if we'll just listen to people, they'll help us come to a better understanding. But we first got to listen. And we got to self-evaluate. And be willing to accept correction. The last but not least, it involves being willing to repent. Repentance always involves an admitting of failure and transgression against God. That's repentance. If we refuse to repent, We're going to be stuck. We're going to be stuck in something. And it may be far worse than leprosy. You see... When we do not repent of our sins and we know that we have these issues, we put a barrier between me or yourself and God. And we just might find ourselves stuck in the fires of hell if we're unwilling to get rid of pride and repent. When a brother or sister comes to you in love and says, we need to talk, we need to listen to what they have to say. Romans 6 and verse 23 speaks of a spiritual death, and we just might be stuck there with this whole pride thing. This morning I asked the question, have you humbly submitted to the gospel? The lessons that you've heard about the new birth and becoming a Christian and and being faithful to the church and and wearing the, the, the name of Christ and changing your life, have you humbly submitted to that? If you haven't, there's a barrier there. And you can't get through that barrier without the blood of Christ. And that barrier stands between you and heaven. Sometimes that pride is that barrier. This morning, will you finally submit to God and the gospel? Or will pride stop you this morning? from doing what you know you need to do. Please come. Together we stand as we sing.